welcome back to The Modern Witch here on the Pagan Radio Network. I'm your host, Devin Hunter, and of course, joining us in Studio B from lovely Salem, Massachusetts, is your co-host, Rowan Pendragon. Rowan, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm do- it's, been a, it's been a busy day so far, mm-hmm. but uh, it has definitely been a good day, so I can't really complain. Um Let's see. The, so just to get some business out of the way, I think um, Modern Witch Online is currently experiencing some very interesting te- technical difficulties um, that I am not exactly equipped to handle. So um, it's the website's going to be down for a couple of days. And uh, I do apologize. You can, if you can get on there, then you're fine. Um, but if you if you show up and it says that um, it's been flagged for malware, um, it, there is no malware on the site. You are okay. We're just waiting for Google to go through and re-verify. Um, but that is the beauty of being linked to some bigger posts from other websites, which is a good thing. Um, but also, now we have this problem. Which and it is, and it's it's a stupid problem. <laughs> it's a terribly stupid problem. Yeah, uh, but, but it happens, d- and d- it's a WordPress thing too. Yeah, is a large part of it because. There, one of the, the one of the great things about WordPress is you can do freaking everything with it. But one of the bad things about WordPress is it has a lot of vulnerabilities, so you have to be like prepared. And there are certain plugins and things that you should have to you know prevent these things from happening. But then you can't prevent everything, so mm-hmm. it happens. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. The, the site's gonna. Uh, the The worst case scenario is that I have to do a complete wipe of the website and start fresh, which I will be a very somewhat panicky man if that happens, but I will deal. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. It's just, but, but, you know, do, I do apologize because I'm, I'm sure it, it uh, is annoying for folks because it's annoying to me, but uh, yeah, you know, but have you ever had anything like that happen on anything you do, Rowan? No, not on any of my, I mean, cause I do um, with mine, I've got um, a few, of the uh, the different plugins that they recommend because of the vulnerabilities that they know they have, um, and so they either I run them periodically or they run automatically, and I get. I mean, I've had some things come up, but because of having those different, um, you know, those different plugins, I've been able to prevent stuff from happening. So that's always a good thing. But I haven't had any. Although, other than my own stupidity, no, I haven't had anything like that have to happen. Right. <laughs> but I have, I have screwed up my website, one of my websites, once to the point where I had to completely um, uninstall everything and reinstall it from scratch, and I lost everything because, of course, I hadn't at that point. I wasn't doing regular backups of mm-hmm. of my site. So, otherwise, no. Yeah, I I've been contacted by a few other blogger slash podcasters and um who have had similar things happen to them and it was all very sympathetic i mean it it is kind of like getting an std on your blog (laughs) i mean it is i guess i guess you could look at it that way it's like your blog has sars you know oh oh, goodness well you know but well we'll see i don't know well it's it's definitely they told me to wait a little longer so i'm gonna wait a little longer but, I mean, I've been on the phone with, like, the hosting company, with Google. I've been on the phone with everyone trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And, um, yeah, I just wasn't expecting – I don't know. I don't know. A lot of this, for me, too, is is pretty new. I mean, as far as, like, the web stuff. I can design. Well, you know that. Like, I like to, I like to make things pretty. But when it comes to 
the, most of the technical stuff that's not my my field so this is totally like getting a crash course and and uh stuff for me so that's life though i mean that's just mm-hmm. that's just how it works so of course um in saturn news pagan podcaster uh dave grega who we all know from pcp which is a pagan center podcast um he was really really uh, important in the making of actually pnc when it when it was first getting um, started and he's he's done a lot of stuff and one of the things he was doing of course was the proud pagan podcasters and uh, he passed away from sudden cardiac arrest um, just a few days ago so our our hope and you know our love and our our prayers of course are with him and his family um, in this time but in the pagan community this of course made a big splash because Dave was everywhere right and he was right. doing a lot of stuff um, and getting to work with him a little bit with Pagan Podcasters before he, he left was was very, very good. He's, he totally knew his stuff. I mean, you're talking about a podcaster who knew the ins and outs, and it was definitely him. So this is it is a loss for our community, and, and um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's sad to say. And even more so, you know, I'm looking at it, and I'm going, oh, my goodness, he was only two years older than I am. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that, mm-hmm. that brings up all that uh-oh kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, yeah. Anytime somebody passes away, especially when they're young, you know, it definitely kind of puts everything into perspective, or at least reminds us to put things into perspective, rather. Right, right. So, yeah. So what have you been up to this week? Because I have barely seen you. I've been extremely busy with the, well, let's see, I had a huge cleaning extravaganza in my um workroom my ritual stuff my shop stuff I've been it it amazes me how much when you practice when you are actively practicing magic and you do it for a long time like I have you know when you have 25 plus years worth of crap that you've been hauling around you finally get to a point where you're like I have to throw some of this away and I've been cleaning and going through stuff and I honestly have collected so much stuff that at this point is just like garbage that I don't know why I have continued to haul it around because I move so much and you would think that I do this every now and then and I don't. So I was going through bins of incense and oils and tools and spell kits that I had bought over the years but never used and just all kinds of stuff and you know, I'm finding like bottles of oil that have no labels on them and I'm opening up and smelling them and trying to figure out what it's supposed to be. And I'm like, oh, got to the point where I'm like, if it doesn't have a label on it, then I don't need it clearly because if I don't even know what it is, I don't need to have it anymore. So I threw out all kinds of oils and incenses and I, you know, and like candles that smelled like something, but I didn't know quite what. And I knew that it wasn't, just like a right, you know, it wasn't like just a candle candle. It had to have been some kind of candle with intention, but I have no clue what it is because there's no label on it. It's not in a package. So I just like threw all that stuff out because I figure if I haven't been using it to the point where I even know what it is, then I don't need it. So kind of going through cleaning things out. And um, so that's been a big thing because, you know, I'm starting to already think ahead to having to move next year again. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, I have to start clearing this out. Plus, because I've been very busy with um, making new stuff for my shop and I need the space to like 
you know, store things. And it just gets to the point where I'm looking around like I'm running out of room. Like I really have nowhere to put anything anymore. Mm. So I figure I might as well clean out my own stuff that I'm not using so I can make room for stuff that I am making for other people. So that's been a big thing that I've been doing lately. And then yesterday I ran out for something. I even forget why I even left the house. But I went went out to Michael's and went on a giant paint shopping spree because as it turns out, you know, it's getting to be that time of the summer where people with kids are at the point where they're ready to strangle their kids because it's like it's that in between like going back to school and, you know, now the kids are starting to grate on your nerves and so you have to find something for them to do. So Michael's is always great for that because middle of the summer, they usually have like a giant sale on stuff that kids can do to keep themselves occupied during the summer. So they had paint and like big tubes of acrylic paint and canvases and all kinds of stuff on a pretty big sale. And so I bought some more canvases and bought a bunch of paint colors that I never would have fathomed buying before if they weren't so cheap. And so now I'm just like dying to get to a point to have time to paint. Mm -hmm. But I'm uh, doing a whole bunch of um, just after I said I'm done doing website redesign, doing more website redesign <laughs> because I'm working on rebranding my um, my business. So I've been very busy with that too. So mm. just a lot of stuff like that, little little things that have to get done that I've been putting off. So yeah, yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy week here. We had um, of course Gaday staying with us and and his friend Brendan, who I just adore now, um, but they stayed with us for a. a a week and then um a little over a week and uh so that was it, it you know once i dropped him off at to so he could go to the airport and all that good stuff and it was like yesterday it's just been kind of like no one's in our house we have the house to ourselves this is a mm. beautiful thing you know um so we've it, just been kind of reacclimating to there being a quiet house and um and then, of course, dealing with this website stuff has just been like a nightmare. But yeah, yeah, it is what it is. It's just kind of part of the job, you know. So that's pretty much been my week. It's it's just been um, looking around and, of course, setting up the Mac. I'm still setting up my Mac. Um, and Storm just got his new Mac. He got like one of the brand, brand new ones mm -hmm. that just came out. I'm super jealous because it's super pretty. Um and even though like my Mac is like I blink and it's everything happens, his seems a little faster than mine. So now I'm like, oh, I want a new computer. Even though I just got oh one. wow, I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, we need to we need to hold off on this. There's like equipment I want to buy for the show, and there's you know all kinds of other stuff to to put money into. But um, yeah, it's it's Macs are pretty. Macs are very pretty. I'm very happy I switched. Um, so yeah, so that's pretty much been my week. Now on this show though. We've got some really, really, I have to tell I'm really happy with this, with this particular show, uh, mainly because I think we went through a, you know, a dry spell where there wasn't anybody coming on the show. There were no interviews. And now we've got two that are coming up in this episode. We've got G'day Parma. I was able to sit down with him while he was uh, here staying with me. And uh, we, we chatted about his ecstatic witchcraft tour. And um, just a great conversation. Of course, Gaudet is incredibly intelligent and everything that comes out, out of his mouth is like, you know, it, it, it sounds cool, too, because he's Australian, you know, so he's got that accent. So you know, anything mystical that comes out of his mouth just sounds even more so because he's got an accent. Um, and then I woke up this morning to a text from our friend David in D.C., 
um, and he said, "You something along the lines of of wakey wakey, um, you have to get online because Tio Bishop is is um, is kind of blowing up the internet." So I was like, "Okay." So I get up and over coffee, I am reading um, Tio Bishop's latest blog post that he just posted today, which is Thursday because we record on Thursdays. Um, and, you know, it's him kind of coming out of the closet, so to speak, as a uh, semi-professional uh, singer-songwriter. And um, some of the successes he's had in his career outside of paganism. Um, and really amazing, really, really amazing um, to just kind of wake up to that. Because I'm all about anything positive happening in the community. Like that, if I wake up from a text message where there's something positive happening, it's like the best way to start my day off. You know, because usually it's a text message that says so-and-so is doing something or um, you better get up real quick because, you know, someone's launched a, a new, you know, war campaign against you or something. I mean, most of the stuff we get, Rowan, you know, is when it comes to heads up, it's not always positive. <laughs> so um, this morning it was really great to wake up to getting a message from David and um, and then after reading it, I instantly text uh, Teo, and because um, it's not Teo, it's Teo. I was corrected in the interview, but um, I was uh, instantly texted him, and he was totally about coming on the show and and uh, kind of discussing this a little bit further. So I'm I'm really happy with the interview. It was really really in depth, and uh, he's just such a great guy to talk to. So that's coming up later on in the show, and we have the interview with Gaday coming on in the show. And then next week, uh, we've got Michael Lloyd, who wrote the Bull of the Bull in Heaven or Bull of Heaven. Of course, it's not right in front of me, um, but it's just coming out, and it's a book that is talking really about some of the the important structural things that were happening. Um, in the early part of the pagan movement, especially in regards to um, homosexuality and things. So really interesting book. It's been, I've been waiting for this thing to come out for years. Literally. I talk, he's a very good friend of mine, the author and um, waiting for years because he is kind of like a walking encyclopedia anyway. So the fact that he got to write a book, I'm just so excited about. So he'll be on next week. Um, so we've just got all kinds of cool stuff going on, you know, minus the, the weird website snafu, uh, modern witch is doing pretty good. So yeah. yay, Yeah. Um, so, all right. Uh, Rowan, uh, it would, so you didn't have anything else necessarily going on aside from the fact that this week has just been crazy. Now I, I did read Xena jumped on the couch. Yes. I got her to jump on the couch last night three times, which was how, a big deal. Yeah. How is she feeling? She's good. She's good. Um, I, you know, as weird as it is, I have to take her for physical therapy and she went to physical therapy last week and, um, did really well. And they actually, the therapist, this, uh, decided not to schedule another appointment for her. And instead, um, we're just going to do a phone check-in, um, next week and see how she's doing at this point with her jumping up and down off the couch. Um, I would say she's doing pretty well and I don't need to worry about taking her back for more physical therapy with any any luck um but she does have to keep going um every couple weeks to have her blood glucose checked while they try and regulate her diabetes some more so but otherwise she's doing really well i actually managed to trick her into taking a pill today Mm -hmm. which i'm terrible with i mean like i have to give her her insulin twice a day and that's not a big deal because she doesn't even care about that anymore but um she has to take glucosamine pills now because of her 
um, because of her hip and the arthritis that, you know, she's starting to develop. I mean, she, you know, she's 14 years old, you know, <laughs> kind of, she's 14 years old and diet and she's been diabetic for the last three years. So, you know, these things are going to happen, but you know, she's like the happiest cat in the world. So you'd never know, but mm -hmm. she, um, has to take this pill and I'm not good at giving my cats pills by any means. And Kevin just like literally grabs their heads and pulls their jaw open and shoves it down their throat. And I hate that because they get really upset and mm -hmm. then he doesn't understand why they're pissed at him. So I managed today to get her to take um, her pill this morning by putting the pill in my hand with a whole bunch of treats and like mushing it all around so that the pill smelled like the treat. And then I put them on the floor and she just ate everything. So I'm like, oh, if it works that way, then that's, I guess, how we're going to do this from Absolutely. now on. Yeah. Until she gets wise to that, and then I'll have to come up with something else. But for now, that'll work. Absolutely. So. Well, it's not like you're you're hiding it and her, you're not like putting broccoli and hot dogs and stuff to trick your kids. Yeah, but eventually I think she'll figure it out and she'll okay. realize, wait, that's not a treat, you know, yeah. but. That tastes bad when I chew down on it. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone, well, stay tuned. Once again, you're listening to The Modern Witch here on the Pagan Radio Network, and we'll be right back with G'day Parma. Step soft upon the sacred ground Breath of air, the only sound so much wisdom to be found Here upon the serpent mound Summer corn and bursting fields Harvest time is drawing near Autumn sky so blue and clear Upon these heights release your fears Step soft upon the sacred ground Breath of air, the only sound So much wisdom to be found Here upon the serpent mound Grandmother cedar, ancient oak Sycamore, our silent host Walnut, buckeye, hickory Spirit speaks in rustling leaves Step soft upon the sacred ground Breath of air, the only sound So much wisdom to be found Here upon the serpent mound Walk along the ancient road In the footsteps of our ancestors Hear the drums from days of old Dancing through the fields of gold Step soft upon the sacred ground Breath of air, the only sound So much wisdom to be found Here upon the serpent mound
for the Modern Witch. I'm your host, Devin Hunter, and joining me in Studio A from lovely San Francisco, California, is G'day Parma. G'day, how are you? I'm really good. Why am I from San Francisco? Well, because Rowan is from Massachusetts, so she's from Salem. So we record usually in two different studios simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we sound so awesome. Okay. But uh, it's, it's... Oh, I get it. I thought, you were ta- I thought you were saying I'm from San Francisco. No. I'm like, no, I'm not. You're from Australia. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. So speaking of being from Australia, um, you you are over here. We know that you're touring and, and yay, ecstatic witchcraft. Um, but you you are sneaking in some personal stuff in. And so like you just went to like a reclaiming camp. Mm. And you spent how many days in the Redwoods? Seven. Seven days in the Redwoods. Yeah. Now... Obviously, okay, so being from Australia, it's, it's, there's different energy, and one of the things that we, I really like about your work is that you stress the importance of having this relationship with the land and having mm-hmm. this relationship with the, with the area. So being from Australia and coming over and getting to spend seven days in the redwoods, these ancient, ancient redwoods, what was that like? I mean, how did you, how, when you, where were you at mentally, like, how do you approach that situation? Well, um, it was witch camp, so that's a very intense container of energy in general, so no matter where you are, it's quite intense, but 
Reclaiming Witch Camp is very cognizant of spirits of place, like when we cast the first circle, which holds all of the energy of the whole, whether it's five or seven days, um, we address the spirits of place, the fey ones, the ancestors of the land, the ancestors of our blood, the ancestors of our craft, and we put we layer that all into the first circle, which is not unraveled until the last day. Mm. And so every other ritual held within that space is another container in another mm. container, and it just gets concentric ring after concentric ring, and it's incredible. But every time I go to a new patch of earth, even if it's within the same... Even if it's an hour down the road, it's still a new patch of earth. I always um, bring myself to do a three realms alignment, which is a world tree flourishing technique. And um, I drop in to the land and I just feel for a while. Uh, and I also don't just drop into the land. I start breathing the air and I try to find some water, naturally running water. And if there's no none of that, I just, just drink from the tap. And I try to really just equalize my energy with the energy that's surrounding me and beginning to inundate me and then generally because I'm a very vision based person I will start to see the the, energe the energetics of the spirits coalesce in front of me and um, for instance in the redwoods it was really funny and I burst out laughing because they became like Navi like and it was really interesting and then I told someone I was like oh they looked they were blue they were tall they were like Artemisian warrior-esque like, spirits and then I told someone about that and then they said that's not unusual because um the forests um on that planet what was that planet called in oh I don't remember like Pandora Pandora um, yeah they were based on the redwoods and oh, so it was very interesting that someone said that, that to me because I'm like, someone's obviously got a bit of a spiritual download about what the right. spirits of Redwoods look like because they were just tall, blue, Navi-looking creatures. And then they were just really, um, not despondent, but really distant from me. Mm -hmm. I think they were a little bit, as, as we were driving up into Mendocino Woodlands, all the, all the spirits and all the fey creatures of all the, of all the area would, were quivering. And um, because that witch camp has been held there for 18 years now, I think, I, I felt that they were happy. They were like, oh, people are coming, uh, like a hundred people are coming and they'll honor us because no one else does in, a, mm -hmm. in that conscious way. They're like, we're so excited, we'll get to play with them and all of that. And then, but when I got there, like the tribes, it felt more like, it was a different level of spirits of place. It was like, these were the fey ones, and then they were like the warrior ones. Mm -hmm. And I was a bit, mm, I have to really respect you or you'll mess me up. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. just one example of how it can really differ um, from place to place. When I was in New York for the first time, they were all very, very tall and wearing white. And I couldn't really see other than that they were covered in white mm -hmm. and had huge spears. Yeah, no, I know from going to a lot of festivals and doing a lot of that stuff that it's totally different. Like, Wisteria in Ohio, which hosts, like, a bunch of different festivals. Have you been to Wisteria? You haven't been to Wisteria yet? I've never been to Ohio. Oh, my goodness. Well, you're here, like, every six months. So. <laughs> he was. He was He was just here, and you, we had my birthday together. Mm. Um which was awesome. Mm. Do you remember? I do remember. Okay, well, we good. went to that awesome um, wine bar. Called, I think it's called Blush because I saw it the other day. Uh -huh. And we drank really good red wine. And then I, I, I was really drunk because I remember <laughs> in, my, in my really blue pants, I slid down. You that had very the blue pants. I loved your very and then blue I, pants. And then I was really conscious of the fact that I had a, like, like a fucking ash arse <laughs> yes. after that. Oh, yeah. And then we got in trouble. Yes. And we got in trouble because we showed up late to my birthday dinner. Oh, the fun that was had. Yes, yes. Um, so, okay, so, 
what do you have you noticed there being a difference between because you you've traveled a lot and especially mm-hmm. for being a young person you're you're, you're very well traveled and one of the things that I notice is that when you when you kind of come to a new place, you just find a way to become comfortable. Like you don't spend your time being rigid and just kind of uncomfortable in a space. You just you find a way to just kind of become the space and become comfortable with the space. So I think that's really the mark of a well-traveled person. Mm. Um, because you know all the well-traveled people I know are like yeah. that. Yeah. So you you come to America, and of course you've got a lot of friends mm. and and like soul family here. Mm. But what are the differences between the witch, the witchcraft that you see here in America versus what you would see in, in Australia or what you would see somewhere else? And what do you see as, mm. is there like a signature mm. that's, oh, it's pretty American when yeah. it comes to the craft? What is really American, and someone recently just asked me in another interview about this, and this is always my answer, is that American witches or pagans are much more inclined to wonder about your tradition. Mm. And that is not the case in Australia or even England. And I've been there a few times now, three times, and to the British Isles. And, and I've noticed here, and it's depending on where you are, though. In California, it's not like, what tradition are you and how dare you impose upon me? Mm. It's not like that. It's like, oh, you know, because most Californian pagans are, are members of a number of traditions at the mm. same time. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's amazing because that's like me. And I think most witches and pagans I've met in this state have done the great work of really weaving that personal mm-hmm. gnosis into a very soulful tapestry um, and then sharing it with community in, that, in, in a way of integrity. Um, but in other parts of America, I've noticed that that's very pronounced, like, what, like I'm only in this tradition and what tradition are you in? Mm-hmm. And there is a line drawn between us and it's like that is as ridiculous as Protestants and Catholics having wars you know right and, right and there's all well, there's total witch wars over things like that yeah I, I, especially here yeah absolutely. yeah i heard back in the um 70s and 80s in australia it was like that between the gardenarians and alexandrians and one of my friends um who who was in one of my covens she was an alexandrian third degree and she was saying that once upon a time there's this there was this festival called Ostre, which was held over easter mm-hmm. and um it was one of the most famous and it had quite a large number of people going at one point, up to 500, I think. And um, and yet all the Gardnerians used to sit on one side of the hall and all the Alexandrians on the other side of the hall. And it's like, okay, they're both Wiccan. <laughs> <laughs> and so in Australia, if you're... There's a very different kind of energy going on. Like, I've heard from... Uh, I was speaking to Ria Shem- Shemazi. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Anyway, she was the only fairy initiate, I believe, to have ever lived in Australia. Mm-hmm. And she came back to live in Seattle. She was initiated here. And she went back over and started teaching fairy, but no one was ever initiated. And that's an interesting piece of history that we yeah. have in Australia. Um, but before, before that, like the other non-Wiccan traditions we have is Wildwood Now. Um, in terms of witchcraft, but there was, there, there was, and there probably still is, and I, I did a whole bunch of research for this recently because I wrote a nine-page nine essay on it for an anthology, but there was this witch called the Witch of King's Cross, and her name was Rosalie Norton, and in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, she was notorious in the King's Cross area in Sydney, which is, was known for its bohemian red-light district lifestyle, and she, um, she had a very interesting uh, tradition of witchcraft that is that is definitely pre-Gardenarian because of when the main papers of, uh, of Australia were interviewing her and she was actually before 1951 even mm-hmm. talking about her, her witchcraft and, um, 
and how they wore masks, and they did go naked, but they wore bizarre white aprons, almost Freemasonic kind of aprons, uh-huh. and they had very interesting handshakes, and they worshipped um, Pan and Hecate, and um, they their initiations had a lot of Welsh um, interesting like statements like, I have been to Pradiri, I've been... I've been in the cauldron, I've been taken out again, and now I walk amongst the living. Mm, and, yeah. and all of their, they didn't have three degrees, but they had a grave called Concierio, which is um, Welsh for conjurer. Mm. So it's, and um, Rosaline used to say that her tradition, she wasn't aware where it came from, but she said, oh, it's called the goat fold. And we believe it comes from Wales, but she didn't really know. And so she never made up stories either about how she was, she never said she was initiated by her um, her family or anyone. Mm-hmm. She said she was initiated directly by Pan, which I understand that experience, mm-hmm. having had that experience many times. Um, but she did, was absorbed into the goat, the goat fold. And so in bizarre patches of, in, and in Tasmania too, where one of my friends who's a traditional witch lives, she's been uncovering a lot of like, of the folk magic and perhaps some witchcraft that was brought over by the, the early settlers in the late 1700s. Mm-hmm. So there's patches of bizarreness in our witchcraft our yeah. history. But mostly it's, it's Wiccan-style witchcraft. But then there's a whole bunch of, like, Asatru going on. But there is no little to none African diasporic tradition. Mm-hmm. So when I come to America, it always, I always feel really, really good because I'm like oh finally I can because whenever I'm near that energy I feel really good for some reason mm-hmm. not that I have any personal inclination towards it I just feel good about it mm-hmm. oh, I need to be around this African stuff mm-hmm. so it's really bizarre in Australia it's very monoculture mm-hmm. it's like it's like Wiccan type witchcraft whether it's Gardnerian or whether it's eclectic and then there's like the patches of more ecstatic prone shamanic witchcraft which is popping up a lot everywhere but that's common and um, yeah, just other kinds of paganism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that's just an interesting thing. I mean, one of the things I know Ron and I've talked about a lot is uh, the the East Coast and West Coast witchcraft. Mm. You know, because on there's the a uh, it's there's a big difference, and like, and you know, I'm I'm from like the middle of that, mm. and so like I'm kind of in this interesting dial. Like, there's a lot of reclaiming in the Midwest. Mm, so it's like, but I did hang Yeah, of course, absolutely. <laughs> All those red states, but um, but I didn't know any of that growing up. But then I'm like looking back on on teachers and things, and I'm like, oh, that's totally reclaiming, and that was reclaiming influenced, and you know, this this thing has been going on for you know all this time. Um, but any so so yeah, so I totally get what you're. That's fascinating. So. What's what's the next like big leap for you? I mean, while you're you're here in the states and you're you're on this tour, you're teaching, and you're going to be going to New York. Mm. And what's going what, what's the experience there that that's planned? Well, um, where like I find that where I go, where there is like a hardcore community of whether it's based around a covenant temple or an organization, there's a great deal of um, focus in that in sense of that. So. The, the workshops I'm doing are being run, are being kind of organized through the, the, the novices of the old ways, which is a group I really, really love and respect and honor because they do a lot of ecstatic um, work. They do a lot of trans possession and oracular seership. And it's just, I was introduced to their high priestess um, through Gavin and um, Bone and Janet Farah. Mm-hmm. And um, I've really grown close to the, um, several members of that uh, temple and that group. 
And so we're just doing a bunch of like work on ecstatic spellcraft and sorcery and transpossession and mediumship and channel. I call it channeling because mm-hmm. um, I draw a distinction between channel. Some people say that channeling is like channeling a spirit, and I actually don't ever use that word. Mm-hmm. I call it possession or um, drawing down. And um, channeling to me is when you have a direct, pure connection to the universal consciousness of everything, right. and you just filter it down. Right. That's what I call channeling. You're mm-hmm. just channeling. Um, universal information um so we'll be doing a lot of that work and then you know and then i'm just doing little bits and pieces of things um throughout new jersey and new england um some day workshops and some like smaller things i'm doing some queer work in Mm. new jersey and philadelphia and then i'm doing some embodied ecstasy work with robin renee who's an amazing kirtan teacher and uh yoga woman extraordinaire she's great and um yeah, and then Chicago is all the Brotherhood of the Phoenix um, stuff, and they they organized some amazing um, ceremony stuff for me last time I was there. And then I finished it off in Minneapolis with Eye of Horus and just some deity work and um, soul flight, spirit flight, trance-based work. And then I go to another reclaiming event when I'm in, um, when I'm in Portland, Oregon. Portland. Have you been to Portland before? Oh. That's the one city that I didn't go to in 2010 in my tour. So that so I've been everywhere else I've been in this tour last time. And um, yeah, so I've never been to Portland, Oregon. Oh, there's some really cute podcasters in Oregon. Oh, really? I will give you some phone numbers. But no, um, no, no, no. But Portland's really, I've been since I was a kid. But yeah. it's, it's awesome. You have to go to the big statue. You to I've heard it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's the Portland, yeah. Have you seen Portlandia? No. You haven't seen Portlandia? Oh my god. Well, when we're done with this, we're going to have to march downstairs, mister. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to watch Portland. The dream of the 90s is alive in Portland. Really? I love the 90s. Oh, well, I do. Yeah, no, I lament the... Do you lament the lost the 90s? Yeah, I think... Natalie Imbruglia was uh, from Australia. Australia. And she was like a a soap opera. Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette is from Australia? No, but she was the 90s queen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's from Canada. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say. She was with Ryan Reynolds. Her and Fergie, they were... Like in TV, right, the TV right. business together, yeah. yeah. And the kids, mm. yeah. So, I heard that like your relationship with, as Australians, like, your relationship with them, like your television stars, is a little different than ours. Is like you guys don't have like crazy paparazzi. And, no, we don't. Yeah, it's, we you, don't have a, like a thing going on like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's my thing. Is I, I I listen to like you talk, and you know we have these conversations, and I realize that. In Australia, there's just kind of a different approach to life in general, and yeah. and that's not a bad thing. It's yeah. a beautiful thing because you know we're seeing you guys are still Western culture, of course, but at the mm. same point, you know, just removed. I mean, it was a penal colony for you know for hell's sake. So for a while, for yeah. a while, and then there was um after it was a penal colony. Well, it was a penal colony for the British, mm. like, but then there was waves of Dutch and German and Chinese and Japanese and Thai and Indochina. Indonesian, it just keeps going. Like mm. there are lots of groups of people, mostly Southeast Asian and East Asian. And the thing a lot of people aren't aware of in terms of culture in Australia, yes, we are um, more so of European descent as a as a group of people. But um, and that makes us, I guess, a Western country. Mm-hmm. Except of course we're right on the corner of Southeast Asia, and mostly we do work with like the political climate is so much more into bargaining with Asia or mm-hmm. China. 
um, but like, who isn't these days? Um, but at the same time, the way we form relationships in Australia is much more parallel to East Asian culture. Mm-hmm. We're much more clicky. Mm-hmm. Like, and um, in America, I've noticed people are much more hospitable. They're like, they're like taught from a young age to like be kind to strangers um, and like open your arms. Like our guests. And, yeah, and it's yeah, really yeah. Get, oriented to the guest, which is lovely and very refreshing. Whereas I'm not going to say that's lacking in Australia, but that's not as common and mm-hmm. it's not as straightforward. Like it's an different groups of ethnicities will have different approaches to that and it's not just a general kind of rule whereas in, in the states i found it's a general rule mm-hmm. but um yeah in australia we're mu- we're actually for a western country really actually an asian culture mm-hmm. it's really interesting and there's been all these like studies on it and things like that so yeah. the people who come to australia from other western countries find it really abs- absurd sometimes yeah. and find it hard to integrate into finding friends yeah i would imagine yeah because we're all really, um, I won't say that I'm like that, in t- well, maybe I can't see it, but we prob- we're much more click inclined, mm. and we stay with our groups of friends. Yeah, no, that's interesting, because no, yeah. here it's, we, it is about the hospitality, and, and I, I like, well, yeah, I don't know, I have a really good friend, who is a priestess, you have to meet her, her name's Heather, um, she runs this amazing festival in Ohio. Um, but she she's like the most hospitable woman I've ever met in my mm. existence, mm. and she's very like into that and mm. and beautiful example of you know the way hospitality should be, and I but then I like look at like you know other other people I know and and other places I've gone and I've traveled and I'm like oh there's this the rules are different here and you know and that's just how it is mm. absolutely so are you so you're finding the the uh, the states to be hospitable. Mm. Which is good, <laughs> just hospitable. Yeah. No, but you're but you're here a lot, of, of course. Yeah, and I've formed some really strong friendships, and I'm feeling more and more drawn to the Bay Area as as some just for I don't know how many like years I've spent here, but I I feel that at this point in my life I I'm called to this place. Mm-hmm. So you might be moving. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> at this stage in my life and with everything that's going on I just I, I feel like that that call to like I've li- like I've traveled a lot but I've lived in the same area of the world for so long mm-hmm. and which is probably why I'm traveling so much these days because I'm having this soul urge to just leave although I love it I absolutely love the city I'm in and I know that I want to live there when I'm older and have children there because it's just su- like it, it's um, Brisbane is considered to be I don't know if it's in the top ten or the top five, but it's in one of those, the most unlivable cities in the world. Mm. And it's so clean. It's so clean. The air is clean. Just everything is clean mm-hmm. in comparison to other countries I've been to where there's much more pollution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things are clean. You were just down in Southern California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of pollution, <laughs> for Southern California. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, LA yeah. is pretty terrible. LA but I've is. heard that it's been that the from people who've lived there for years, mm-hmm. like decades, that the pollution has cleared up. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. I've heard. Yeah, there were two domes of green smog, and now there's just one. Mm. So. Isn't that hurtful though? Isn't that interesting? You think it had yeah. gone the other way? Yeah. But that's actually kind of a nice thing. But I wonder yeah. how or why that is the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So Wendy Roll has the her song "Creator Destroyer," mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that song, like, every time I think about... Because it bothers me, you know? I'm, I mean, part of... Hello, I'm a witch, you know, and I'm, I'm living with these spirits, and I'm listening to them. And 
being next to the ocean, of course, I think is a really big wake-up call in a lot of ways. Um, I didn't have that growing up, you know. But be, so being out here and just just seeing how fragile and delicate things are, but at the same time, how incredibly powerful, mm-hmm. the, you know, the things are as well. And so there, there's there's so much there's so much pollution, especially here, and there's so much dumping that's been going on. And so now we're in this this process of recycling. And so I think of like Creator Destroyer, and I listen to that song, and it gets me all charged up. Because it's all about her coming to, back to life, like the goddess coming and waking up and saying, we're done with this, and mm-hmm. devouring all of the... And hopefully we can do that together. Absolutely. We're, we're pieces of her too. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we can all remember um, um, our disparate um, kind of fragmentation into the um, unified wholeness again and rise up together. In my tradition, we call it the greening. Mm-hmm. And um, I really pay... Like, I don't think the greening is so much uh, like an apocalyptic vision or a prophecy as a as a wave of, of, of the tide turning. Mm-hmm. And the other day when I was uh, talking to Thorne um, about... The, we, t- we mentioned that. We mentioned the tide turning and how she feels it is and how I feel it is. And mm-hmm. really, we just have to keep meeting it. We can't just get um, complacent about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's turning. We'll just leave it now. No, it's turning because we've chosen to engage with it consciously. Mm-hmm. And we need to do the work. Like, the human species has gotten us to this point. It's not just us, but we are so interconnected with everything. And we have been doing so much to the, to the negative that the scales have tipped. And we really just need to really breathe into it all and do the work to t- turn the tide against that senseless destruction. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, destruction is part of the, the will of nature. Mm-hmm. But um, not in the way that we, as a species, have engaged with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yeah. All right. Well, absolutely. Okay, so good day. You have just had your, your latest book, Ecstatic Witchcraft, come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's being well received, I hear. And it's kind of an amazing review that I really fell off my bed about. <laughs> and it was really long, too. Uh-huh. And it was really, you know, from a really respected person that mm-hmm. I love. And I was just like, oh, that's amazing. Yes. But anyway, yes. I really like the book. Yeah, I, I was it's very pleased with it. No, I was very pleased with it. And it, it's, um, it isn't, no, it's very, very much sort of like, um, and so, so it's being well received. You're touring America. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in a couple more cities. Mm-hmm. So again, that is, those, those cities are? New York City, and then I'm in New Jersey, and then Philadelphia. Don't know where in New Jersey, so I can't give that information. And then I'm in Salem, New Hampshire. And then Chicago, and then Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Portland, Oregon. Ta-da! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, yeah. So when you're in Salem, Rowan's in Salem. You know? She's in Salem, Massachusetts, isn't she? Oh, I guess it's true, and that is different. That is different, because I, I, I well, of course, New Hampshire and yeah. Massachusetts, but Salem, I don't know. It Doesn't every every state has a Salem? In, in New place? England, I think. Oh, wait, doesn't yeah. every state in America have a Salem? I think so. We had a, yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's bizarre to me. It is a little weird. Yeah. Just, especially when you associate Salem with that one thing, that and one then thing. all the other Salem's aren't that. Right. At all. At yeah. all. And want to distance themselves from that. Yeah. Well, just like, in the, when is the, do you watch The Simpsons? Not for a long, long time, actually. So like Springfield? Springfield. Right? There's yeah. Springfield in every yeah. single state. Yeah. Which is crazy. Which, which state is The Simpsons in? Or is that a constant That's history? kind of the thing. I think, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the, I've never... It's Connecticut, isn't it? Uh, no, no. It's not Connecticut. No, there's, that's your thinking of, is it, of, is of, it the of Midwest? Family Guy. Family Guy's oh. in Connecticut. Isn't it Connecticut? Massachusetts, I think. No. Co-ho- New Hampshire. No, is it? It is in New England. It's New England. It's New England it's somewhere. It's New England yeah. somewhere yeah. around. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, good day. Pop culture. Pop culture. Pop culture. 
Yes. My cat's going to be ruined now because he's, he's had two Australian guys saying, Elamanza, Elamanza. And it's just, it's awesome. But, you know, then here I'm like, Elamanza. <laughs> Elamanza. Elamanza, Elamanza. And that's just how it's going to be. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on Thanks, the show Kevin. again because we do love you. Yeah. And I love you guys. Absolutely. So, all right. So, uh, we will, we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Modern Witch Podcast. Today's pagan pop culture for the Modern Witch. I'm your host, Devin Hunter, and joining me in the studio is Teal Bishop, a.k.a. Matt Morris. Um, and uh, how are you doing today, Tio? <laughs> I'm doing well. And, you know, I have to tell you, um, and for all of your listeners, I, I just recently went to um, to an ADF festival called Eight Winds, and, and um, everybody who introduced me or w- who said, come say hello to me, um, said, hey, well, hi, Tio. And, and, I, and, and I got up around the fire at one point, and I, and I sang, um, Tio, Tio, like that old, you know, daylight mm-hmm. come. And that is a... Uh, that's how you pronounce my name. <laughs> Teo. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And actually, I just got into an argument with my boyfriend about it. So, oh, really? Uh, oh, really? Oh, my he God. He was right. He was right. So I, hate, I hate to have been at the center of that. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, I'm all about being corrected when it needs to happen. Okay. So I, <laughs> I, I woke up this morning yeah? via a text from a, a good friend of mine, David, who's out in D.C. Mm-hmm. And um, he says, you're, you're going to want to get online because Tio Bishop is exploding the interwebs. <laughs> so I roll out of bed and I, you know, I'm making coffee and I'm, I'm on the computer and I start to come across all of these really interesting posts. Um, specifically, your post that you just put on your blog today, which of course is uh, Bishop in the Grove, which is on Patheoth. Um, and you, you've come out of the closet, so to speak. I have come out of the closet, which is, I think, my second time coming out. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, there was there was the gay part, and uh, now there's this part. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to tell you a little about it. Uh, if you haven't read the post, or if your readers, or if your listeners haven't read the post, um, I came out basically. Um, you know, a few years ago, I, I started writing um, the blog uh, under my name, Teo Bishop, and starting to form community in pagan world under that name. Um, and that was not my given name, you know, which I was always pretty open about and, and explaining that the, there were reasons that um, felt important to me to, to write under a different name. Um, and I kind of bridged those two worlds today and, and became more open about my given name and sort of the associations around that name and, and the work that I've done um, under uh, my given name, which is Matt Morris. So one of the things that I, I'm finding very interesting about this is that you're, you've come out as a kind of semi-famous uh, singer and songwriter. And you've, you've done, we found out today that you've done all kinds of really interesting work, which we'll, we'll get to later on. But <laughs> you came out of the closet as a pagan, kind of. I mean, this is, it's kind of an interesting thing because usually it's you know later on in life that somebody says oh i'm pagan and this is how it is but you've been living these these two lives almost and not it's not even as dramatic as that even but you know you're you're living and you've been working uh, with these two different identities almost and then you you bridge the gap today yeah and it's interesting that you that you phrase it that way i actually saw um uh, kara schultz said something similar when she shared my post on google plus which is that um, that I came out as pagan today, and and I I don't know that I saw it that way when I wrote this post. Um, as strange as it may sound, um, I feel like I kind of came out as me, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like like I I came out in in a way that that kind of brought together um, two sides of myself that for a while I'd been keeping separate, um, and, and only only kind of partially separate. I mean, my, my spirituality has always influenced my creativity. 
Um, and my creativity for the majority of my life has been sort of rooted in making music um, and developing, uh, following around that and, and making that a, a career. Um, and there are ways in which my spiritual, my evolution spiritually, if, there, if, you, if you believe there's such a thing, is sort of the process through which we grow from, from one tradition to another or expand into who we are. Um, had, well, there, for a period of time, I decided to, to kind of take that out of the realm of public view um, so that I could kind of dig into it. Because there's a way in which the conversations that we have about our spirituality and our religious traditions, um, when, when we are, are not particularly well known or when, when our name isn't associated with other things, um, they can they can dig a little deeper, and there isn't the sort of risk of I don't know what you'd say cross contamination of other of other things. Uh, and I think there's a way in which when I started writing my blog, that's what made the most sense to me to do um, was to allow this conversation about uh, paganism and about druidry and about what all of those things mean to me um, to allow that to happen um, independent of the work that I'd done in music. Um, now, what I've come to discover is that. Um, and as, as T. Thorne Coyle uh, speaks a lot about in terms of integration and integrity, uh, and anybody who has come out uh, in the LGBT community might understand that, that you really can't keep parts of yourself that separate. You know, compartmentalization is kind of true and kind of not, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a way in which when you, when you recognize that all of the parts of yourself, even the ones you've, you've kept uh, away from view, you know, that, that they're still all a part of you, it, it starts to make more sense to, to integrate them and allow them to, to overlap. Because naturally, in my case, you know, I think for anybody who is an artistic person, or a writer especially, um, their spiritual journey, their spiritual evolution and, and, and practice influences their art. And their art can sometimes influence their, you know, their religious tradition as well. So it just started to make sense to me to to kind of allow these things to overlap and and not try to keep them separate anymore. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I completely understand that. So let's let's go back a couple years. Okay. Um, you you were on the Mickey Mouse Club in the early nineties. Oh, yeah, that's many years back. Wow. <laughs> in, in 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 my teens, I'm feeling like an old man. I'm 33 years old. And I did uh, I did that television. It was my first professional, major professional gig, and I was a, a teenager, so I was twelve. And you spent what four seasons or three se- three seasons? Uh, four seasons. Four you seasons. have been, you have been doing your Wikipedia. You follow that Wikipedia link. You know, you know. It, you know it. <laughs> so you, my my thing is with the, the I'm finding you to be incredibly interesting because I, I I'm looking at your story, and I'm seeing all of this really beautiful uh, just kind of synchronization between you what you know kind of your story and some of the other stories from people that I've met um and even seeing some of my own story reflected in your story so I think that to be able to kind of take that step back and and look at your your you know your career as a childhood star kind of um very very kind of I mean it's you know I'm I, I'm no, um, you know, Family Ties cast member or anything like that. Well, yeah, I, no, I, but... I, I, but yeah, I had. I think what being in a professional adult environment as a kid, uh, particularly one where you have uh, sort of a lot of tension uh, thrown your way for what you do creatively, mm-hmm. creates a lot of um, interesting uh, perspectives and experiences that aren't 
aren't common, you know, aren't sort of, in some ways, you could even argue aren't really natural for somebody that age. And, and it begins, it kind of places you as the other um, at, at, a, at a very early time. Um, so for me, I always felt a little bit othered because of the situation. And, and that was um, not a horrible thing. It just provided me perspective about what the whole uh, creative industry and music industry is all about. And also, like, how I could play different roles in it. Um, it also, I think, inspired me to be more introspective um, earlier uh, because the situations that I was in professionally were so unique um, and I always had to kind of be in check with where I was, uh, you know, and, and, w and what was working for me. And I think that introspection, I mean, aside from the other, the other uh, quality, the other sort of experiences of, of, of work and professionalism that came from that, I think that introspection it continues to inform my writing on Bishop in the Grove. It continues to be a part of my writing in song, and it never really went away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember actually. Now that I'm now that I've been like stalking you on the internet, I remember <laughs> um, you being on the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, no joke. <laughs> no joke. And I actually was just talking to to Rowan before we hopped on to do this, and I remember seeing you on uh, the Late Show. Oh, you're kidding! That's but awesome. I, you know, of course, I had no clue who you were in relation to you know this this pagan blogger that I've come to really respect. So it's just kind of an interesting thing because I think one of the things that the pagan community is going to be going through, and you're really you're you're at this fabulous tipping point because. As pagans, we're often kind of bunched up into this group of people that don't really have a whole lot going for them, I think, when as far as like secular society, the way that they look at us, you know, you, you, pagan is almost synonymous with, um, you know, overweight, stinky people, you know, <laughs> and we get a lot of that stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 there's so much heart, there's so much beauty there. But because of because of this, and because, you know, a lot of pagans come to the faith because they're really looking for answers, they're looking for life purpose, you know, those kinds of things that, of course, really dramatically affect us and our lives. We, we tend to, as a community and as a culture, really distance ourselves from secular society. And I've, I've complained about this so much because I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's the opposite of what we want to do. You know, be true to yourself, love yourself. That's number one. But at the same point, we've got to go out, we've got to integrate, we've got to be part of society. You know, we've got to have uh, professionals that are part of secular society, that are feeding secular society, that are helping secular society. Because as a whole, that helps us as a, as a pagan people. You know, when, when, when Matt Morris gets up and says, well, yeah, I've been writing this blog, and I've been doing this other stuff, and, you know, I've been living these, these, these two different personas, because, and I totally get it, I mean, I completely get why you'd keep them separate. Um, if anything, just for you, you know, I completely would understand that. But yeah, primarily that's, that, that was the reason. You know, you bring up an interesting thing too, kind of going back to what you said about um, even you having seen some of the things that I did publicly and that were kind of big level achievements for any musician, you know, um, regardless of the fact that, that I had, you know, some professional experience and on, that, on the Mickey Mouse Club as a teenager. You know, I did a lot of work as an independent artist for a long time. And when I got to the point where I was doing major television stuff and I had a record that was about to come out, it was a big deal, you know. Um, but for you, what I find really fascinating about this is that, um, and, and you're you're kind of affirming something about my perspective and why why I made this choice to keep these two things separate is that, you know, you didn't know who I was and I was a, a moment of entertainment and 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 then it, it kind of continues to go. The, the next night there are new people on. The, the, all of it continues to go. It, we, the way that we feed on entertainment, um, 
it sort of tends to be that way. I mean, I participate in it that way too. Just, oh, who's this? Oh, that, that's, who, who, who's that I just heard? Or what's this on the radio? And then you kind of go on with your life. You know, it's like background. Um, but there's a way in which the, the dialogue that's created through, uh, through Bishop in the Grove and the kind of conversations that we can have through writing um, are, are of a completely different quality. Um, it, it's easier to go into, into, into unpack ideas um, in a sort of longer form and over a, a greater amount of time through writing a blog than it is to, uh, to, to do music. Music serves a different purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, music serves, I think, the purpose of creating um, in ritual, for example. It, it creates an atmosphere or it, it can affirm the cosmology of your tradition or it can inspire you. Um, that, now, that's whether or not, whether you're pagan, uh, whether you're Christian, whether you're, I, mean, I think people who even don't uh, subscribe to any particular tradition can recognize the way the music um, sort of can, can create a, a mystical experience for them. Now, writing is something that I've always been passionate about, and I find that there's, that, that writing affords um, me uh, the ability to have conversation um, that, that's more complicated than, than what people will really accept in a song. Yeah, I, I actually had um, a, a couple years back before I even started my, my blog, I had a, a person comment on, on the Matt Morris f- uh, Facebook fan page. Um, you know, just, I was writing something about my perspective about, I don't know if it was something political or something related to gay rights. Um, it, it was something that was just uh, personal. Not unlike what I might do uh, as, you know, on my blog, but shorter form because it was on Facebook. And, and I, I received a comment and response that said, you know, Matt, just sing. Like, just sing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, none of us, and I, this is what I wrote about uh, on Bishop in the Grove today, that none of us are simply one thing. I mean, that would be to say, you know, it's as if to say that you are just a podcaster mm-hmm. and the listeners of your blog are just the thing that they do. I mean, they are those things and then there's so much more. And we're, we, we I, I just, so that's, there's, the long and the short of it is that that's, that is a part of what influenced me to, 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 to create the blog was not to, not to fabricate an identity um, because I've never, that's never been what I've done. Um, but it's been about uh, creating a space at which I can sort of stretch out in the complexities of my identity mm-hmm. and, and, and explore things at greater length. That's, I think the medium really allows for that and I've, I've tried my best to take advantage of it. I, I think, hmm, I don't know what I... I'm really just kind of gnawing on in my mind right now mm-hmm. is that we, okay so B- Bishop in the Grove is is really influential I mean it truly is if if anything for the sake that you're providing what I what I call a very zen perspective on things and you have a very level-headed approach to things especially when it comes to processing our spirituality and at the same time time you've never really at least from my perspective held back when you had to make a point or when you felt something was important mm-hmm. and so you've become you know just from to you or just from bishop in the grove you've become this very influential very very much so loved voice within the community i mean alone your your blog stands you know on its own it's 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 a solid you know product so to see you you know, now coming out of the closet, so to speak, as this this singer songwriter musician who's, you know, really had a career with this for a while now. I think it's I'm I'm proud as a pagan, 
Mm-hmm. And this isn't just me like blowing smoke up your ass. I really am <laughs> proud as a pagan because, like I said earlier, one of the things that we have a really hard time with is is kind of separating ourselves from secular society. And here you are, and you're like, no, I've done both, and I'm doing both. And and those those are you know these two things work great together. And I, I think that's a really important thing for people to see. You know, I remember when like Heather Graham came out. Um, and, and I think it was like Newsweek a couple years ago, and she just mentioned briefly that um, her and her friends get together and, and chant the name of the elements. And everyone freaked out over that because they were like, oh my goodness, here's Heather Graham, and you know, here's this famous actress, and she's a witch. You know, we've got Fiona Horn from Australia who's, who comes over, you know, and her career, especially musically, did not begin um, doing anything pagan. You know, she, she was a rocker in Australia before she was, you know, who we have now. So, you know, we're looking at these, at, at you in this position, and you're still very much so embracing the community, um, and you're also embracing this other part of yourselves, and you're integrating them. So I think that's a really brave thing to do. Are you afraid of, of what it's what this is going to mean on the other side of things? So aside from paganism, aside from, um, you know, your followers, are you are you worried that once kind of the rest of the world gets wind of it, that there's going to be some sort of backlash or? <laughs> um, no, not, not really. I mean, I, I, I think that, um, and perhaps it's just, it has something to do with my comfort level and experience with, um, with, with public discussion about aspects of my personal life or aspects of, of my perspective. Um, and, and it may also have to do with the fact that I, I have a different, I think I have a slightly different perspective on what this means about, um, the idea of belonging. Um, I, on my blog, I've always felt like part of uh, part of the truest and most honest thing for me to do is to speak my perspective, even when that perspective um, brings in elements into the conversation that some people are are a little uncomfortable with. Um, often, my blog ends up um, exploring um, my perspective about. Uh, Christianity, or my perspective about which aspects of my tradition uh, growing up in the Episcopal Church are still resonant for me, mm-hmm. um, and trying to, to 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 look at that and go, well, what does that exactly mean when you hold that up against uh, polytheism, or, or what does that mean? Um, how does that inform my practice of, of daily ritual? Um, and those are conversations that some people avoid because it's a lot easier to say, um, no. Uh, just shut the door on everything that was before and be pagan. Now you belong to this community. And there's a way in which that that sort of exclusivity um, made me uncomfortable when I was Christian. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I found that Christian communities which were exclusive and which created very clear boundaries around themselves and said, this is who um, is inside and this is who is outside and these are the rules in order to be a part of this group. I never felt comfortable with that and I've never uh, sought to, to create or foster an environment where um, where that was the message being put out on my blog. So, so there's a way in which I feel like uh, while, while people may see this, well, people within the pagan community may see this as a kind of affirmation of me being, um, you know, uh, somehow championing paganism. I feel like what I'm doing is, is maybe championing a, a tenant of, of paganism, which is mm-hmm. to say that um, our embodiment uh, as individuals, our, our um, commitment to being true to our experience of humanity and divinity is something that I'm, I'm representing through doing this. And I feel like all of us have the opportunity um, to represent in our lives. 
um, because we are not of a, a single religion and because we are not a group who uh, ascribes to a single creed you know, or, or uh, we'll, we'll, can recite a creed uh, of belief, um, what we have uniting us is this idea that we are all somehow, uh, uh, as individuals, uh, embodiments of something divine. And, and so I, I stand up with that, and I say that I feel comfortable with that, and I think there's a way in which I have always um, tried to get that message across, even when I was a practicing Christian. The idea that there, are, there is something of God in each of us was, was something that I kept trying to, to figure out how to articulate. So. I'm not necessarily worried on how it's going to influence um, negatively my career because this is, you know, uh, I, I'm not a superstar. You know, I'm, I'm not, it's not like I'm Coca-Cola and I'm worried about the brand falling apart and everybody buying Pepsi. You know, I think there was one post on my blog that I wrote about a year ago uh, called uh, something like Know Me By My Pagan Name, uh, which was when I was first starting to sort of process through what all this meant to, to be going by a different name. And I think I referred to myself as a, as a sort of natural, uh, independent toothpaste type of brand. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like the court of niche brand. And so I, I've never thought that this, is, this isn't something that I was worried about uh, affecting that. And there's a way in which I believe that, that by being transparent and by being honest, that it, it could even provide more opportunities to speak my perspective, whether that be through writing or through song. And, and I don't see that as ever being a bad thing. Mm, absolutely. You are listening to The Modern Witch, and uh, we'll be right back with Teo Bishop. city, clinging to old religion, praying for electricity, to keep it warm for the little ones, nobody made her wise to the things a girl might find in the belly of a hungry man who don't care nothing about his bloodline, she got lost in the bloodline. Because of a bloodline She went on She cried at night And kept alive His bloodline So much riding on the bloodline Why is he hiding from the bloodline It ain't right She cries at night And keeps alive His bloodline Christian soldiers Not unwed girls Living in the city Asking for change from Strangers But Father said Jesus loves Her even though She never married God loves her More than the Christians do She's part of This holy bloodline She got saved In the bloodline she paid for the bloodline Changed her life She cries at night And keeps alive 
Bruised by the bloodline With all her might She cries at night And keeps alive His bloodline Oh yeah Oh Back to the Modern Witch. I'm your host Devin Hunter, and joining me in the studio is Teo Bishop, um, who has recently um, made quite the splash in the community again. Um, so one of the things that I, I, I'm finding to be particularly fascinating about all this, um, and, and partly because I'm a musician, but um, is is your your co-writing with with some other people to create some of the songs that you know, are, are buzzing in our ears every time we're going to work or, you know, are, are um, being played in the backgrounds of our favorite movies. Um, one of those songs is Miss Independent um, that Kelly Clarkson sang. Yes, yes, I co-wrote that song. It was her, um, 
I believe her first uh, first single off of her first album. So we're gonna I wanna, we're gonna sample this. I want everyone to just get this in their ear. Um, so we're gonna be listening to a quick bite from Miss Independent Kelly Clarkson. Okay, so Taya, what was that like? I mean, you know, getting to sit down, and I don't want to know about Kelly Clarkson's, you know, life. I, I see that <laughs> on ET, but what what is it like to be able to sit down and know that you're going to be collaborating with these other artists to produce something that potentially could carry some weight in the future? Um, well, interestingly, I actually never sat down and wrote with Kelly uh, directly, and that often happens that way. Um, sometimes I'm writing with an artist. Sometimes I'm writing with a producer. Sometimes I'm writing. Um, by myself, uh, and the, at which point the process is not unlike writing for my blog, where you're just trying to sort of get quiet and get in alignment with with uh, your intentions and what you're trying to say. Um, but what I do find is that it's interesting about writing for uh, someone else and writing for another person to sing, is that it gives you this opportunity to sort of... Um, to trance out a little bit and to get into a state where you, uh, I wouldn't call it channeling the way that I know that some people who are listening to your podcast might recognize channeling in, in terms of it, it, it being connected to, to spirits or beings or, or whatnot. But there is a way in which the Druids, a lot of Druids talk about Awen mm-hmm. and about this idea that there is this, um, this sort of creative spirit that exists and that is sort of foundational uh, and, and and that to tap into the awen is to uh, is to be able to kind of ch- sort of channel that raw creativity. It's like what you like the best free free uh, form uh, poets do. You know, the sort of like like rhyming on the spot uh, poets do. And there's a way in which for, for for me, what I like to do when I'm writing for other artists is to get is to try to get into that headspace where I'm I'm channeling language that is most uh, that will be most resonant for them to sing and for people to listen to. You know, I don't ever really think too hard about this thing that I'm writing could be big. I think that's actually, no matter whether you're a songwriter or a blogger or a podcaster, when you create with those sorts of intentions, my experience has always been that it, it can go awry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, there may be a lesson in you for there about your expectation of audience or your, your, perspe- or, or your own take on fame. Um, I know that when I've had experiences when I, I've written blog posts and I thought, I think this is going to reach a lot of people. Like this is going to be something that a lot of people are going to read. Sometimes those are the ones that no one pays attention to um, because it's like that my, my focus is on the wrong place. So when I shift the focus back to what's most honest and true about my perspective or what I think is the, the purest in, in the writing and then just throw it out there to the world, um, those are the things that tend to pick up. Miss Independent was a song like that, where I was just trying to write around this idea of Miss Independent and what and what all that could mean. And I didn't I didn't write the entire song. My contributions are primarily the verses, but but it was being true to that idea. And then I kind of let it go and didn't really think about it and, until I found out that it had been recorded. You're listening to the Modern Witch on the Pagan Radio Network, and we have Teo Bishop with us. 
so you recently had an Indiegogo campaign. I did. And um, I know we, we did a, a little spot on the show a couple of weeks about it. Uh, and it's over now. So now that it's over and now this, the, now that your post has come out and it's, you know, this announcement um, that you are, you know, you are two people, but one person and you are <laughs> one person. Um, do you feel that, that the Indiegogo campaign was a, was a success? Absolutely. Um, the, we didn't raise the funds. I actually had a conversation with Star Foster about this this morning that, that um, I didn't raise the funds, but I, but I did learn a lot of important things. Um, I, I learned that there are a lot of people uh, who were willing to step up and support music that they love and that they believed in, and just, just from these little clips that they were able to hear. Um, I, I learned that, that, you know, that there were media outlets like your podcast, like the Druidcast, um, that were willing to, to share, um, share the music. And I, I, more importantly, I think I learned something about myself that, that music is really important, <laughs> that I had this desire to put music out again. And it's been, you know, everyone who's read the post on Bishop in the Grove about, about my music, um, it may look like this is all happening right now. And part of the reason this, there's this flurry is that there's this connection created between um, these big television shows or professionally produced music or videos uh, with the present moment. But for me, um, those things happened um, over two years ago. And and I've been trying to process through a lot of experiences since then. It's sort of, you go, you go through the archive of posts at Bishop in the Grove and, and you'll see um, oh, a whole slew of, posts about processing through transition out of a certain kind of work into a new work and, and, and what it feels like to be uh, sort of going back and forth on, on issues of identity and purpose and religion and all of that. Um, so for me, it, it doesn't feel quite as immediate. And, and, and in that same way, um, what to do now about music? That's sort of the question I'm asking. And I've been asking myself for a while, like, oh, how, how do I, how do I want to put out music? The Indiegogo campaign was the, uh, I guess an, an experiment in a way to see if music could um, could come naturally out of the the work that I'm doing uh, on my blog, and um, while while it didn't raise the funds, I think it showed me that there is certainly an audience for these songs that have pagan themes, and also that I don't need to think quite in such a binary way about it. Like it has to be music for th for this group or that group, or it has to be. Um, writing or song there's a way in which it can be all of those things um so so you know thorn um t thorn coil posted on to comment to, to the blog about well you know maybe now matt morris can put out sacred electric grove and i don't know i don't maybe maybe that's the the right vehicle or maybe there's another way of doing it um, but what i do know is that my focus is probably going to expand a little bit from simply writing my blog and then every once in a while going out and writing songs um, relatively secretly <laughs> to, to, you know, and I think I'm going to, to probably be being creative in, in many ways and w without the same sort of um, the veil in front of everything I do. How do you feel you've changed since 
you began Bishop in the Grove, going from, um, you know, the kind of your your career as Matt Morrison being a singer songwriter and and doing all those things, and obviously something happened um, that kind of triggered this this need for movement and change in your life, and and we see that, like you said, you know, in in uh, Bishop of the Grove. But how do you feel you have changed as just a person um, since you started working with the greater pagan community? through your your work as a writer? Mm, that's a really interesting question. And I don't know. Um, I don't know. I never really reflected on that. Um, I think that one thing I really love about um, modern paganism, neo-paganism, and its, and its different expressions, particularly the, the, the tradition that, that I've been working most closely with lately through, uh, through ADF Druidry, is the idea that the development of a personal practice is very, very important. Um, I think that people, you know, however they identify, can affirm that, that by being regular about some sort of practice of meditation, by showing up to whatever shrine you have created, um, whatever altar you make your sacrifices at, um, in whatever way is resonant for you, but by showing up regularly, um, you can uh, experience a kind of transformation in your life. Um, and I, I think there's a way in which um, creating Bishop in the Grove and uh, putting an emphasis on dialogue and, um, and inquiry and contemplation as it's connected to my religious practice has been like a kind of uh, daily, a, a kind of regular practice. The writing has been a kind of uh, a regular religious practice for me. And it's also um, created a kind of accountability for myself to my own religious life and to, and to my own uh, religious work. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's made something that is, for most people, very private. Um, it's made it kind of public and, and allowed for it, there to be a, a kind of a sense of community around that work. And I think a lot of pagans, um, especially people who are solitaries, don't get to experience community uh, mm -hmm. in ways that we really need to. Like, we need to be... Um, transparent about certain things, not just because there are, are good political reasons for, you know, everyone should be entitled to their religious freedom. That, that, that's all true. But there are other reasons why we need to be transparent about our religious experiences. And I think it's because that's a human thing to do, but, but because by, by sharing our perspective and sharing what we know and sharing what we don't understand, we're able to engage one another in a compassionate dialogue about the way that the mysteries are revealed to us. Um, so if Bishop in the Grove, if writing Bishop in the Grove has changed me in any way, it's, it, it sort of reaffirmed my, um, my commitment to my own religious practice and also my sense of compassion for, for others in, in their religious practices. And, and I believe, too, that part of my purposes in this life of mine is uh, not simply to entertain or perform or, or rack up the blog hits, you know, but it's, it's to somehow be of service to people um, through all of that creative expression. It's to be of service to people individually and collectively and, because I believe that all of us in a way are kind of called to service um, in some form or other, whether it be, that be to our individual tribe, to our, our family members, to the greater community. You know, we all have opportunities to to reach out and, and serve one another for, for our common good, I think. And that may sound idealistic, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just an idealist. So, 
how did if if I, if I could how did Matt Morris find Druidry? How did you find yourself amongst the the members of the ADF and and that part of the community? It was a long process. It actually preceded um, Bishop in the Grove. Um, there was when I first I first started writing under the name uh, Teo Bishop with a blog that I created called I think it was in two thousand eight maybe two thousand nine called uh, the Epiphanic Oath. Uh, and it was going to be my, it was my first sort of esoteric blog, if you will. And I wasn't involved with uh, ADF at the time. I wasn't uh, involved with Druidry at all. Um, but I started to form community online uh, on Twitter, um, really it, almost exclusively through this uh, common shared tarot practice called, uh, it was called a hashtag AM Tarot. Mm -hmm. um, some people will remember it, uh, that, that the, Anki from Wiser Books, who was uh, the, the, the Wiser's uh, social network uh, maven, would do this tradition every morning where she would post uh, the hashtag AM Tarot and tarot card. And then everybody would respond with um, you know, their interpretation. And it was a cool little way of forming community. And I picked up on that and I started to sort of the tarot was sort of my introduction into this world. Um, and it wasn't long after she started it that she uh, had to tr transition out of that role and I took over that tradition. So for a period of, I don't know, five, four months, six months, something like that, every day I would post um, a tarot card to Twitter uh, and, and it expanded from AM tarot to also the hashtag PM tarot and it developed quite a little, uh, little budding community around it. Some really interesting thinkers were posting their, their responses, and I was experiencing a kind of community through social networking that a lot of pagans um, will recognize, you know, the way that we communicate with each other. Um, so it, it started there, um, and uh, eventually the, the, transition, uh, the, the tradition moved on. Um, if you look up uh, at the tarot lady, um, you'll find the person who's taking it over right now. She's wonderful. Um, but it started there. I found Druidry first through Obad, through the Order of Bards, Obates, and Druids, and was inspired by Obad's approach to Druidry, which is really centered around Awen and creativity. They have a, a, tra a sort of educational training course that takes you through these through three grades of Druidry. The first being the Bardic grade, which is all about being a bard. <laughs> like, and I, if, if I ever, you know, there's nothing that could have inspired me more than a real, sort of a, a spiritual practice that emphasized creativity as the as the kind of initiation into into spirituality. Because, well, that's what I've always done. You know, Mike. There's always been this connection between writing, and the sort of bardic gifts, and um, my connection to uh, spirituality. So I found Druidry through Obad, and then eventually found ADF, which is the American Druid Order, uh, Arn Riachvain. I think because I wanted something a little more religious. <laughs> I wanted there to be something that had more religious structure to it. And I think ADF does this amazing thing, which is to unite so many different expressions of paganism through so many different hearth cultures, or uh, European hearth cultures, well, I guess proto-Indo-European hearth cultures, with a common practice and a common form of ritual. And so ADF provided me with a kind of religious framework that, that made a lot of sense to me. So now that that you've you've come out of the the closet, so to speak, but now that you've done that, what's going to happen next to I me? Mean, what's what's next for you now that you've got all of those pieces of you, you know, kind of together? Um, well, I've got some laundry to do this afternoon. 
and then, uh, and then a few errands to run. Uh, honestly, though, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, things continue to move on, I imagine, the way that they have uh, until things change and become somehow different. I'll, I'll probably continue to write at Bishop in the Grove the way that I always have. I have a couple projects that are an extension of that that are that are still in in very early form. Um, I, I've made mention a long time ago about being in the process of writing a book and that's still on the table and still it kind of goes back and forth between um, embryonic stage and infancy and then it goes back to being an embryo mm -hmm. so I, I'm kind of in the middle of that I you know I've I've got music projects that are in the works and um, continuing to write for other people so uh, I, I just continue to move forward um, I don't have any major plans of doing something radically different, uh, but I am open to the the real possibility that by by making a priority this sort of alignment and transparency that there may be things coming that I didn't expect. Um, there may be opportunities that wouldn't have ever surfaced had I not done this. So I guess part of the next step is just to be um, receptive and willing to to go with the flow, not unlike the fact that we're having this conversation right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, just to, just to be grateful for it all. Well, Teo, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Um, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? Um, well, they can go to teobishop.com. That's T-E-O bishop.com. Um, a lot of your listeners are already following me because I've, I've, I've received comments from them on Facebook, which is just facebook.com forward slash Teo Bishop. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well, at Teo Bishop. Uh, as, as you'll know now, I'm on a lot of other websites too. Mm -hmm. uh, MattMorris.net will take you to my Matt Morris Facebook page. And, and if you go to the, the most recent uh, post on Bishop in the Grove, which is called uh, Semi-Famous Pagan Blogger forward slash Semi-Famous Recording Artist, uh, you'll find a handful of uh, videos that will give you an example of what exactly we're talking about in terms of this, uh, this whole music thing. All right. Well, thank you so much once again. And I, I really do um, want you to know that this is, this is definitely something that I think is really inspiring for our community. Um, and I, I wish you the best of luck. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate forward. it. Yeah. No, thank absolutely. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for this opportunity. It's, it's been wonderful talking to you. And I just appreciate all of your kindness and your support. Well, thank you for responding to my text message so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, everyone. You are listening to The Modern Witch here on the Pagan Radio Network, and we'll be right back after this break. The feathered serpent stretches across the sky. Waterfalls cascade from its widely open jaws, as well as from the two eclipses. The water falls down beside old woman goddess sitting next to a young tree. The rain god nourishes the young tree. The death god uproots it. The young mystic crosses the jungles to enter a small temple 
hidden by the trees that grow on top of its arches. Her brother, the seeker, follows her footsteps, though he walks alone in the desert. The young mystic enters the temple, falls to her knees, and begins to pray. Her brother feels the heart pull to the ground and does the same. Two red seeds, one blue feather, and a small stone. Gathering twigs, they make a small fire. strong their ties, the young mystic can hear the call of the blue eagle and the footsteps of the blue deer on the sand. Her brother the seeker can feel the moisture of the wet jungle on his lips. Welcome back to The Modern Witch here on the Pagan Radio Network. I'm your host, Devin Hunter. And of course, joining me um, from Studio B in Salem, Massachusetts, is our co-host, Rowan Pendragon. Um, there's all this incredibly awesome stuff happening all over. Um, and I'm blaming Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> okay. Well, I am. I'm going to blame Quetzalcoatl. I mean, just because, well, you know, if you're going to blame somebody, let it be like the god of change. Do you know what I mean? Sure. I mean, why Mm -hmm. not? Why not? So, Rowan, um, there's something that you have to say. I'm out. Bye. (laughs) No, seriously. I, this is going to be my last show. I have um, other things to go do. Um, other other projects other things demanding my time and i think um it's kind of hard to explain because it's kind of a long story and it's kind of like um i don't know it's if and here's the thing if you've been reading my blog lately or um if you're on my fan page on facebook then this is not going to be the biggest surprise because i've kind of been talking about um, some of the changes in direction of work that I'm doing. And the big thing is that it does not change who I am or um, what I do in my personal life, Um, but it changes how I do what I do professionally in a big way. And, I mean, like you and I have talked a lot on the show even about um, stuff you know, like when you do what we do professionally and when you are 
whether intentionally or inadvertently kind of marketing yourself towards the pagan community, you tend to end up eating a lot of ramen noodles because Mm -hmm. the pagan community is not, you know, who comes to us for things. You know, there's what I personally kind of feel is sort of a, uh, a pro it's not, I guess a problem, but like a, 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 I don't know, I guess problem is the best way to put it, but where, um, people in the pagan community tend to feel that they never need anyone for anything, that they can do everything themselves. And certainly we can do a lot of stuff for ourselves because we're trained to do that. We learn to do those things. But, um, you know, I've always been a big advocate of witches need witches. And, you know, we need to sometimes have someone else to work with or go to. It's the same thing. I mean, like if you look in the hoodoo community, you know, every root worker has their own root worker, you know, it's not, it's not just like, just because you know how, to make a mojo bag doesn't mean you're going to do it for yourself all the time. Sometimes you want someone else to, you know, do the work and to help you out. And so it's kind of the same thing, but unfortunately in the pagan community, there's, you know, less understanding of that. And it's always this, well, I can do it myself. And it's funny because on the rare occasions that I do get, for example, a reading client who's pagan, they always, you know, like give me this big preamble before I get to the, you know, what we actually need to talk about with their whole big story of how, well, you know, I read tarot cards too, and I've even read professionally, but I just can't read for myself. There's no shame in that, you know, there's no shame in needing, you know, someone to help you. But the thing with what I've been doing and a lot of the work that I do, um, most of my clients are not witches. They're not pagans. They're usually, you know, (laughs) witch curious you might want to call them (laughs) but basically um you know it it just kind of comes down to there's certain things that i want to do that you know especially when it comes to professional stuff that do require me to sort of shift a little bit you know with the audience that i work work for and who i work with and and it's been what is it now july it's been seven months really of kind of looking at that and having recently in the last couple months really realized that my um my audience who puts food on my table are not pagan they're not witches they're not you know they're other people who are spiritual or curious about the craft and they sometimes don't understand the witch you know, we'll call it the witch thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so, I mean, but it certainly doesn't mean that I am not a witch. God, that, <laughs> that's certainly not an issue, you know, mm-hmm. but, but, and it kind of just, I had this real big moment a few weeks ago where I'm like, why is it that just because I am a witch, that means that everything I have to do has to be witchy, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause it, cause I'm just not, you know, my, like my spiritual path is much more, you know, eclectic, and I'm not ashamed to say that. I mean, I've been, you know, trained in tradition, but I choose to walk a more eclectic path that is very um, metaphysical and has a lot of elements of like Buddhism and and Native American from my own heritage and, and things like that in it. And it's, you know, I'm not Wiccan, I'm not strictly Wiccan, you know, or anything like that. And I don't, follow a specific tradition I do my own thing and right now I'm at that point where my focus is on my professional work my writing and my um the work I do coaching and all that and it's just it's not witchcraft focused which is fine and I'm kind of at that point where I'm like I need to just you know 
put my time and energy into all of that, rebuilding all of that from the point that I'm at now, the realization that I've come to. And that kind of means that a lot of the time that get that I spend on modern witch stuff kind of needs to be taken back to go to my other stuff. Because as we've said before on the show, the show doesn't pay us. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't get paid to be here. And, you know, unfortunately it does kind of come down to I'm looking at needing to really rein things in in that regard so so that kind of just brings me to it's time to uh stop doing modern witch so yeah that's that's that i guess yeah um very long-winded explanation but there you go (laughs) well hey no no absolutely and you are going to be missed i know by me incredibly because you're like my best friend um and so getting to do this was just always an excuse to hang out with you. Um, <laughs> and of course, when it comes to the magazine, you've been incredibly invaluable so that you're not going to be replaced. That's impossible. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I think I, I, I think I have a pretty good idea of how much um, your involvement has meant to the community and to our listeners. Cause I hear about it if you don't show up for an episode Um so I know that you are going to be missed. And um, like I said, you, you can't be replaced, my dear. Um, <laughs> there's no way. But um, yeah, so we're going to miss you. And of course, I love you. And I completely understand all of this. Um, because I live it too. You know, mm-hmm. and I think what you're doing is brave, actually. Um, so I wish you the best of luck and the most success in your career and the the new wonderful horizons that are opening up for you. Why, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, um, I guess that concludes our show for this week. And you can hear Modern Witch next week here on the Pagan Radio Network at uh, 12 o'clock studio time, which is specific, uh, Pacific Standard Time, not specific Standard Time. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. <laughs>